for the win. It's good. Fires over the middle. Collins at the goal line. Touchdown, Miners. This is the Mineshaft, a UTEP football podcast, part of the Republic of Football Network. Now here's your host, Colin Deaver, and former UTEP kicker, Gavin Beckley. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Mineshaft Podcast, a Republic of Football Network podcast brought to you by Dave Campbell's Texas Football. I am your host, Colin Beaver. My normal co-host, Gavin Beckley, is not with us today. He had something come up at the last minute, so recording uh, by myself today will probably be a little bit shorter episode because of that as we get you ready for UTEP's road trip to play Arizona this Saturday night in Tucson. Obviously, one and two on the season coming off what has been a little bit of a disappointing now defeat at Northwestern. Obviously, both Gavin and I picked them to win that game uh, over a Big Ten opponent uh, last week on the podcast. That did not happen. UTEP fell 38-7 to after jumping out to a pretty impressive 7 to nothing lead on their first drive. It was tied 7-7 to at the break, and then things obviously fell apart after halftime. So we'll talk a little bit about that, areas of improvement against Arizona, although, again, this will be a pretty tough game against another Power 5 opponent for the Miners. That's two in the first four weeks for UTEP in the 2023 season. Um, and we'll maybe look ahead past that Arizona game, too, once the schedule flips a little bit for UTEP. But as we always do on the podcast, we are sponsored uh, by Home Field, that brand that, of course, a couple months ago put out their line of UTEP athletic apparel t-shirts, uh, I think sweatshirts, the like. Uh, we can get you... 15% off your first purchase of UTEP apparel at home field. Just use the promo code mineshaft at checkout of your first order. That'll give you a 15% discount on your order. Share it with your friends as well so they can get that same discount. Um, we appreciate everybody who has used that up to this point. So uh, as we get into it here, obviously, you know, UTEP in there, what, I guess week two across college football, their third game, of course, because they played a week zero game, losing 38 to seven on the road at Northwestern, a Big Ten team that was just one and 11 a season ago. Uh, and their first win came in week zero in Dublin, Ireland. Their only win on American soil uh, came back in October of 2021, or their last one, I guess, before that UTEP game. The Miners, much of last week, were. One and a half, one point favorites. The line ended up switching right before kickoff to make Northwestern about a one point favorite. And that's where things um, kind of went south for UTEP or initially started going south for UTEP. Um, as we talked about just a second ago, a fantastic opening drive for the Miners in that game uh, against Northwestern. Eight plays, 70 yards, took 352 off the clock. And UTEP opened the game with a touchdown. Um, could not have been more impressed with how they looked. Uh, in that first drive. Um, unfortunately, that was about as good as they would look for the entire rest of the game. Northwestern marched down the field on their first drive, eight plays, 71 yards and 322, and they scored uh, pretty immediately as well. So f that seven to nothing lead, fairly short-lived for UTEP. They certainly had opportunities uh, to kind of get going a little bit um, in that first half. And Dana Dimmel really lamented in his press conference on Monday, kind of when he was recapping that loss to Northwestern, just how much he regretted the fact that they weren't able to go 
into halftime, you know, with a lead um, because he felt like they played well enough to do that. So after the touchdown drive, UTEP's next uh, drives at the end of the half were a punt, a punt, an interception, a punt, and a missed field goal. Um, A 44-yarder by Buzz Flaviano, basically right at the end of the half. um, Yeah, four seconds left. Northwestern just took a knee after that to go into the break. Uh, you know, with the game tied up at seven apiece. Um, interceptions, two of them thrown by Gavin Hardison, one of them thrown by Jake McNamara, the backup quarterback in his first appearance uh, as a college player. And that's been the story for UTEP, you know, in its first three games. Their one victory, of course, against Incarnate Word at home. No turnovers whatsoever. They were able to kind of dictate the pace with the run game. They ran for 329 yards, as we talked a lot about last week. We both thought, Gavin and I thought, that they might be able to do something similar on the road against Northwestern. Um, but Northwestern, you know, as the second half started, really took them, you know, out of what they wanted to do. Um, Miners ended up with 104 yards rushing on 35 carries, uh, 215 yards passing on 19 of 30 by Gavin Hardison. So, uh, over 60% on that, but he did throw those two interceptions. Um, and obviously McNamara had one of them as well. Gavin was 17 of 25 uh, for his day. So um, just a lot left to be desired by UTEP, you know, especially in that second half. We went through the drives for the first half. Here's the second half, um, if I can get to it. Northwestern um, at the outset of the second half scored on their first drive, 13 plays, a 79-yard drive in 636 and it ended in a touchdown so now UTEP for the first time kind of playing up against the eight ball per se and their next drive was absolutely catastrophic Hardison uh, throws an interception after UTEP uh, had a minus 12 yard play on their first uh, play Um, and three plays later set up with really good field position at three yard line Northwestern was able to punch it in and take a two score lead UTEP punted uh, on their next drive after getting only, you know, three plays. Um, and then th- on the very next drive for Northwestern is when they really put it away. Ryan Holinsky completing a pass to Joseph Hyman, the second, and he goes 85 yards for the touchdown to make it 28 to nothing. So really, you know, you're looking at this, it goes from being, you know, a tie game at halftime UTEP. Yeah. They, they fall behind, um, in the early portion of that third quarter, but it really, really got away from them um, in the third quarter. And a little, you know, that's really mainly where the, the game was, was lost as, uh, you know, Dana Dimmel said that as much um, in his press conference. He said that the score is not entirely indicative of how close the game was. Um, I understand why he says that. Obviously it was a seven, seven game at the break, but you know, you have to give Northwestern uh quite a bit of credit for how they played um, in the second half, both offensively and defensively. I mean, they, again, forcing two turnovers, they forced a turnover and downs by UTEP. Uh, probably their best drive of the second half was 10 plays, 62 yards that ended in a turnover on downs. And then Northwestern scored um, another touchdown immediately after it going eight plays, uh, 90 yards um, to score. And if the game wasn't already over at that point, 35 to seven in the fourth quarter, I mean, it was over there. So um, got to tip your cap to Northwestern sometimes. And we, you know, we mentioned it off, uh, you know, kind of in, in last week's podcast, even though Gavin and I both picked UTEP, you know, to win the game, go on the road, get their first win over a power five team since they beat Ole Miss in the 1967 Sun Bowl. We both were a little bit measured in that, right? I mean, I understand how bad Northwestern has been the last year and a half or so, but at the same time, 
they're still a Big Ten team. This is still a team that um, played in the Big Ten championship game in 2020. I understand everything that they're going through, both on the field and off the field right now, but this did feel like for them, from looking at their point of view, if you're going to get a win this year, this was probably the one that you have to get. And, you know, playing with a sense of desperation like that, I think sometimes helps teams um, in Northwestern's shoes. And look, again, they're a Big Ten team. They have Big Ten athletes, especially up front. Um, UTEP was able to play with them in the second half. But, you know, what it – or excuse me, in the first half. But really what it comes down to is, I mean, you just can't make the mistakes that UTEP made, you know, the three interceptions, the turnover on downs, missed field goals. I mean, there's there's certainly areas of improvement there for UTEP. Um, but, I, you know, that I – wasn't really happy with what I saw from them, but you do have to give a measure of um, credit to Northwestern for kind of coming out and understanding what they needed to do um, to get the victory uh, over the miners on uh, last Saturday. Um, And that kind of led us into, you know, Monday and, you know, certainly I understand, you know, fans being, you know, unhappy and uh, with with defeats, that's going to happen after every loss, but, um, I think there was a little bit, and I've said this on social media. Uh, so if you're hearing this, you know, for the third or fourth time, apologies, but I really think that there was too much of an overreaction to the loss to Northwestern because, again, they're a Big Ten team. Nine times out of 10, a Power Five team is going to beat a Group of Five team. Um, when you see Group of Five teams beating Power Five programs, it's because they played an almost perfect game and almost perfect half, or if they don't, it's them making big plays all over the field. Someone I think brought up a Miami of Ohio win uh, over Northwestern to me um, where a lot of the stats were in Northwestern. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. In Northwestern's favor, Miami didn't necessarily play a perfect game, but they had a blocked punt, a blocked field goal. um, And they forced two fumbles by Northwestern. So um, they were more, much more opportunistic and took advantage of some big plays that you know, Miami, Ohio made in that game to get the victory that UTEP, frankly, didn't do uh, in their game versus the Wildcats outside of, obviously, that first drive where they looked fantastic. And it initially looked like it was going to go how we kind of thought it might with UTEP being able to control the game on the ground and get out of there with a big victory and $1.2 million over a Big Ten team on the road. Obviously, that didn't happen, and certainly a lot of vitriol from the fan base um, this week um, about the play calling by uh, head coach Dana Dimmel. Uh, if, If you are unaware, Dimmel is one of the head coaches in college football that does call the plays. Frequently, that is on the offensive coordinator to do that, but Coach Dimmel, uh, for his team is the one that calls the plays. Um, and obviously it's a, there's frustration over that. And then of course, frustration over how Gavin Hardison um, has played in the first couple of games for UTEP with five total uh, turnovers um, by Gavin with just four touchdowns. And of course the team being one and two of that being the uh, number one step, the most important step out there is UTEP's record. So um, Dimmel was asked how Hardison could maybe improve and and fix some things at his press conference on Monday. And 
Dimmel actually took the blame for it. He said, quote, his source of his struggles are bad play calling by me. We're not going to pin anything on Gavin. We're not going to do that right now. The kid is a really good player and all the pro scouts like what he's doing. And it's just part of that position when the team isn't doing what they want us to do, that they blame it on Gavin. I've been really pleased with him. I think he's doing a great job. I've got to give him better plays and put him in better situations. If we're not doing those things offensively, it goes back to me uh, as a play caller and as a head coach, nothing our players all are doing. So, Based off of that, um, I asked Coach Dimmel at the presser, you know, if he would ever consider um, handing over play calling duties to offensive coordinator Scotty O'Hara. Again, Dimmel has called the plays for UTEP since he's been here. Um, he's got over 20 seasons of, you know, experience and, frankly, success calling plays as both a head coach and an offensive coordinator. And he said flat out, no, based on that, based on his experience calling plays as a head coach and an offensive coordinator, um, you have to look back to, I mean, what he did at Kansas State. He helped design Kansas State's offense that under Bill Snyder went to four New Year's Six Bowls. I guess at the time they were BCS Bowls, but they went to, I think, three Cotton Bowls and a Fiesta Bowl. Colin Klein in 2012 was a Heisman Trophy finalist under Dimmel with, within his offense. Dimmel was calling the plays then. Um, so you have to look at that and understand that that's why coach Dimmel thinks he's the best option in, on this coaching staff, uh, to call the plays within this offense. Uh, O'Hara has obviously never called plays. This is his first year as an offensive coordinator. Now the counter to that is you don't know how he would do, um, given the opportunity because he's never done it, but that is, uh, coach Dimmel's, um, reasoning for continuing to call the plays and again I think you have if that's you know his decision if he's riding or dying with that um, then you have to in some ways you know respect the decision but I will say he added that O'Hara you know has been coaching from the press box the last couple of games in years past Dave Warner uh, I noticed specifically for UTEP he was um, on the field as the offensive coordinator the last few years for UTEP O'Hara actually made the switch after the first game at Jacksonville State um, from the field, he moved up to the press box for the last couple of games, which apparently has helped the minors with making pre-snap checks at the line of scrimmage. And I will say that Dimmel um, added when I asked him this, that O'Hara has kind of been with him for years. He's installed that offense at a couple of different places, including at Rutgers. Um, so he knows how Dana Dimmel thinks. And obviously the entire offensive staff has a large role in crafting uh, UTEP's game plan and, you know, what might work within that game plan. Now, obviously, um, there are major areas for improvement, you know, with this UTEP team through three games, averaging just 16.3 points per game, which ranks 121st in the nation out of 133 teams. They also haven't been able to generate any big play, really any big plays offensively. They're 84th in yards per completion. Um, and even though like they're top 50 in rushing yards per game, but they have just two runs on the season over 20 yards. It's a believe a 40 yard run by Torrance Burgess that went for a touchdown. And then I think a 20 yard carry uh, by um, Deion Hankins. So it's certainly some major areas where they need to uh, get, you know, some improvements offensively. Everybody knows that on the staff, you know, nobody, nobody at UTEP um, thinks that the offense has been, you know, fantastic through two games, the stats, you know, back that feeling of obviously, of course, you know, the incarnate word game was very good running for 329 yards. Um, they're among the leaders in conference USA in rushing. Um, but overall, the offense has not moved the ball um, 
like anyone would have liked to see it through the first few games. They're also 124th in the country in turnover margin, a minus 1.67 turnover margin, you know, throughout the first three games. And I asked Coach Dimmel um, a couple of weeks ago, it was, after, it was after the Incarnate Word game when they ran the ball so well, 320 yards rushing on 50 attempts, and Hardison only threw the ball 13 times with a pair of touchdowns. He was 10 of 13. Coach actually said his ideal run-pass split for this UTEP offense is a 65-35 split run-to-pass. So that number against our Incarnate Word was almost 80% run. But against Jacksonville State and Northwestern, uh, the Miners obviously losing those games. They were sort of taken out of their game plan early due to slow starts or turnovers. The run-pass splits in those were 59-41 uh, run-to-pass against Jacksonville State and 54-46 to against Northwestern, um, respectively. Again, I completely understand that game plans have to change mid-games at time. You know, if, if things aren't going the way you want them to go um, – then you get forced out of your game plan. Incarnate Word, they were never really taken out of their game plan. They stuck to their guns and were able to kind of control everything that happened in that game. Jacksonville State, they fall behind 10 to nothing. Um, and from there, you're kind of having to just make do with what you got. Same with Northwest Northwestern. Yes, you jump out to the 7 nothing lead. But as you know, we said earlier, there were issues and problems that made it so you, know, you weren't up, up – um, at the half against Northwestern instead it's tied seven to seven. And obviously, you know, Northwestern comes out and completely, you know, dominates the second half. So um, once they go in front, you know, 21 seven after that interception by Hardison, that's where the game plan kind of, unfortunately for UTEP has to change and you're not able to just run the ball, run the ball, you know, down their throats like you were um, against incarnate words. So, in their one win this year against Incarnate Word, an 80% run clip, a uh, run to pass uh, split. Their splits in the other two games, like I said, 59 to 41 and 54 46, uh, respectively. And that got me thinking about what it's been in previous years. Um, so I kind of went back and looked the last two seasons, so 2022 and 23. Um, UTEP has run the ball more than 60% of the time in seven of those games. They've won six of those outings. Um, their one loss coming on the road last year at UTSA, which was a game they were leading 24 to nothing at one point in the game and kind of completely blew it um, down the stretch. So I think you can make the argument. So they've done it seven times, have won six of them, probably should be seven and oh in those games the last two years where they've run the ball more than 60% of the time. And for me, that's going to be the key moving forward throughout this season is how much UTEP will lean on the run. Certainly, I think this week at Arizona is going to provide quite a test. Jaden Laura, uh, everybody knows about Jacob Cowan, former UTEP wide receiver at Arizona. You know, that offense can put up points. Um, they just went on the road uh, at um, Mississippi State last week and, you know, were in the game. It went to overtime. Arizona eventually fell 31-24. to They beat Northern Arizona 38-3. to So this is a team that, is capable of putting up some serious points um, on the board. They did it last year in the Pac-12, um, and I think they're quite a bit better this year. Um, they're 17.5-point favorites over UTEP. So it will be very interesting um, just how UTEP tries to kind of stay in the game at Arizona uh, this week um, because certainly this will – Arizona is flat out going to be better than Northwestern. I don't think anybody's questioning that, but – are they on a level of a 
you know, an Oregon or a USC or, you know, a, a Texas Tech, a Texas, you know, in the in the Pac-12 and power conference. I don't know. Um, I think that this certainly the spread is fair. It's a 17 and a half point spread against the Wildcats. So um, it'll be on UTEP to try to exert their will a little bit against a team that um, is better than them. You know, Northwestern, I think if you play that game 10 times, I think Northwestern probably wins six to seven of them. I do think that the game last week was a little bit um, one where it just gets away from UTEP and there's kind of no way to stop the momentum, the runaway train, so to speak. Um, I do think that's a game that sometimes, you know, you play, like I said, you play it 10 times, you know, UTEP maybe wins two to three, maybe four of them. Um, This game against Arizona, I think though, is going to be a little bit different than that where UTEP will have to kind of have everything go its way. Uh, against Arizona they'll have to have the run game move in Hardison can't be turning the ball over nobody can be turning the ball over and the defense has to play what kind of how we saw it the first two and a half games of the year um, that last game against Northwestern albeit with some short fields thanks to turnovers in the second half Um, but you know they won't be happy with you know 13 plays 79 yards to open the half they won't be happy with three plays 88 yards obviously the 85 yard pass completion a huge part of that, but eight plays, 90 yards right after that for another touchdown. I mean, there are, there are ways for UTEP's defense to get a lot better um, this year as well. So we'll take a real quick break here on the mine shaft, and then we'll get a little bit more into what to expect from UTEP Arizona this Saturday in Tucson. Back here on the mine shaft podcast. All right. We broke down everything UTEP and Northwestern. Now we will get into UTEP's game on the road at Arizona this Saturday night, a very late kickoff in Tucson, 9 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Pacific on the Pac-12 network for UTEP and Arizona in that one. Full disclosure, um, my station KTSM has elected to send me to the New Mexico, New Mexico State game that night in Albuquerque as opposed to the UTEP Arizona game. Um, So give me whatever flack you will on the yeah, social medias when you hear this, but I do have a day job <laughs> alongside with the podcast. So um, that is the decision that was made by uh, my employers, but hoping to uh, get to see as much of this game as humanly possible. Of course, the New Mexico, New Mexico state game is a six o'clock kick. So we'll be able to, I should be able, I would think to see the second half at the very least of this game. So hopefully it's still a close game. Uh, when we get off uh, air with everything at KTSM and get back over to have a chance to watch the UTEP game. But so nine o'clock kick mountain time. This is a battle of the Miners and the Wildcats. UTEP, of course, one and two coming in. Arizona is one and one, a week one victory, big time win over Northern Arizona. And then going on the road uh, last Saturday to Mississippi State in the SEC, a night game in Starkville, not an easy place to play and losing 31 to 24 uh, in overtime. And that, to me, is very impressive that Arizona was able to stay that close um, and almost win that game. Given this, they had five turnovers in this game, just giving uh, Mississippi State chance after chance after chance uh, to really stick it to them. They never did. Uh, Mississippi State, even though they were up 14 to nothing, Arizona battled back. Um, it was 14 to nothing. Then it was 21 to seven at one point in the second half. Um, Arizona came back and tied the game up at 21 apiece uh, on a Jaden Delora touchdown to Tete Roa McMillan. Uh, that was in the second half. 
um, early in the fourth quarter um, to give uh, Arizona get Arizona even. Mississippi State went right down and uh, took a field uh, hit a field goal to uh, take a three point lead. Arizona big interception um, and it just uh, in the fourth quarter uh, on a on a long drive um, and then ended up getting the ball back with two thirty six to go. And Jaden Delora, who played for Washington State a couple of years ago um, in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl when they played Central Michigan, he's now at Arizona. He uh, drove him down the field and they were able to kick a field goal um, with five seconds left in the regulation to send the game to overtime. Mississippi State obviously goes on and wins the uh, game in overtime to send Arizona to a one in one record. So, um, look, this Arizona team, I think if you play this game last year, I would be a little more bullish on my um, feelings on the chances that UTEP might have, you know, to win this game. Um, certainly the odds makers have this one Arizona favored by 17 and a half points at home night game, tough place to play when things are going well for the Wildcats. Um, I really think that this is a game that's going to be tough uh, for UTEP just because of the potential that Arizona showed on the road at Mississippi state. And, you know, the turnover problems that UTEP has had the last couple of weeks. Um, have to say, too, Arizona, as we just mentioned, they've had turnover problems themselves. Of course, five inter- five turnovers in one game on the road at Mississippi State, if they don't have as many of those. But if, if you take one of them away, if you take two of them away, they probably win that game in regulation uh, over Mississippi State. So I really think, a, you know, keys for UTEP in this game, they're going to have to try to find a way to turn, o- turn over Arizona um, – in a way, in the same way that Mississippi State was. Delar has been turnover prone this year. He has five touchdowns, but he's also thrown five interceptions um, on the season. So um, going to be very interesting to see just how um, they're able to maybe turn them over. The Miners on the year have only forced one turnover total as a team. That was in the Incarnate Word game, a interception late in the fourth quarter by Trez Moore to kind of seal the victory, so to speak. So um, they have, in practice, they have a um, – initiative I guess you could call it where they want three turnovers in every single practice they I think that I was I was at practice Monday and Thursday um, and I think they were able to force uh, one on Monday maybe two on Thursday we'll you know something like that so um, it certainly is a point of emphasis for this UTEP defense under Bradley Dale Pivotal. Um but they have also been um, pretty solid just in terms of how they've been able to stop people again, that second half against Northwestern, uh, notwithstanding, of course they hold um, Jacksonville state to 17 points at home in week zero. They held incarnate word to 14 points at home in week one. And then last week at Northwestern, they held them with just one touchdown uh, until the second half. So obviously some things to clean up. I would love to see them force some more turnovers against Arizona, which has been a super turnover prone team early in this season. Um, and I think that is really, if they can do that, that's a way for them to, you know, obviously be in the game more than I think odds makers are probably expecting UTEP to be in, in this game on the road at the Wildcats. So obviously everybody at UTEP knows the story of Jacob Cowing, the Wildcats wide receiver, uh, who led UTEP in wide receiver, excuse me, who was UTEP's top wide receiver, excuse me, uh, for three years, 2019 through 2021, um, fantastic kid, Jacob Cowing, 
69 passes, caught 69 passes for 1,354 yards and seven touchdowns two years ago with UTEP, his last year with the Miners before transferring over to Arizona. He really did not skip a beat when he made the move over to Arizona. He led the Pac-12 conference last year in receptions with 85 of them for over 1,000 yards and seven more touchdowns. Um, And obviously, you know, when you get a chance like he did to go to a power five team, it's really hard to, you know, fault a kid for doing something like that, making that decision. But even more than that, he moved to Arizona. He's obviously from the Phoenix area. He has a son who I believe is now around the age of three or four. And he just wanted to be closer to his son. Um, That was really the main reason why um, he made the move back to Arizona Coach Dimmel said uh, at his press conference on Monday that Cowing had said, told them at the time, you know, if I don't get Arizona or Arizona State uh, in the portal, then I'm not going to leave. But he just wanted to be uh, close to his son. Dimmel said that that part of it you know, stands well with everybody at UTEP. He said, quote, he's a good young man and that's a great player. And we're really proud of everything he's been able to accomplish. Gavin Hardison, Deion Hankins uh, kind of echoed that. Obviously, Deion Hankins, I think that actually, I think all three of them came in in the same recruiting class together. So they probably got to know each other uh, really well. Hardison said that they still talk quite a bit. He follows his stats and that it'd be cool to see him. But obviously, he made made the joke uh, at the end of his press availability. I want the best for Jacob, just not this game. Um, Coach Dimmel had a similar thing to say about that. You know, obviously, it'll be great to see him. They're excited for him. But at the end of the day, you know, they want to win the game, too. So. Um, they'll certainly be hoping Bradley Del Pivoto and the Miners defense has something cooked up to slow cowing down uh, and make sure that he doesn't have a big game. Arizona, uh, they're going to throw the ball. They'll sling it around. Jaden Delora, 46 passing attempts uh, in week one versus, or excuse me, in week two versus Mississippi State. Um, and, you know, that's that's just kind of how they like to do things in, in, in week one um, against Northern Arizona. Obviously, a, a a big win, 38 to three. He still threw it 24 times, 18 to 24, 285 yards, three touchdowns, and the interception. Also has two rushing touchdowns um, on the season, so he's pretty mobile. 32 of 46 last week, 342 yards through the air, two touchdowns, but did have, of course have the four interceptions. So if UTEP, like I said, if they can turn over Arizona and kind of get things on their terms, and what that means is, you know, uh, uh, they're controlling the uh pace of the game the time of possession they're controlling the line of scrimmage with a really strong offensive line their running game which as we already said when they run the ball over 60 percent of the time the last three years they are six and one that one loss coming against utsa in a game that they will say forever um is a game that they should have gotten the victory so um to me that's the recipe for utep against arizona um this is not going to be by any means an easy game my uh, major keys for a minor victory this week as I've gone over you just have to win the turnover battle big time um, against Arizona force them into their own turnovers and take care of the ball yourself and they got to control you know things up front on the line of scrimmage um, and in the run game that is that's those two things are the most crucial to me you can't turn the ball over you got to turn them over and you got to control the run game Um, and you just you can't let things get away from you like you did in the second half against Northwestern. Like that was a winnable game. Um, I don't think this one is completely unwinnable. It's, it's not like they're going on the road to play, you know, Georgia or Alabama where 
you know, you're just hoping to get out of there without any injuries. You know, this is this is a power five team that, you know, isn't completely unbeatable for UTEP. Um, but they also have to make plays. They have to do, you know, play play as perfect as possible. Um, you have to give yourself a chance to win, which flat out in the second half against Northwestern, um, they didn't do. So it's on them to figure out a way uh, to make that happen at Arizona as 17 and a half point underdogs. Uh, on the road, I laid out the ways that I think that they might be able to do it. Uh, but having said that, you know, big moment here, my my pick, uh, it's the first time I've actually picked UTEP to lose this season. Um, I'm one and two on the year, obviously, but I do think that they're going to get uh, defeated on Saturday night in Tucson. I'm going to take the Wildcats uh, 38 to 17 uh, on their home field to send UTEP to one and three um, on the season. For their sake, certainly hope that they are able to pull off the upset and get back to two and two, which would be huge for them uh, heading into this next stretch of their schedule. Uh, I think a lot of their start here has been um, because that they've had to play so much, so many road games to open the season, right? They've only played one home game. This will be their third out of four games on the road. Um, And I think if you were, we talked about this in the preseason, you know, the way we looked at it, they had to win the Jacksonville State game. They had to beat Incarnate Word to be 2-0 before you go on the road to play a pair of um, Power 5 teams. Obviously, they stumble at Jacksonville State. Um, so, all of a sudden, you're staring at a 1-3 record um, before your schedule, like, really flips back into some some majorly winnable games. Um, and that's But that's where they will be after this Arizona game, right? You go uh, at Arizona – if you're one and three after that game, you immediately get UNLV at home, which will be a winnable game against you know a team that has struggled in the pack. Uh, excuse me, in the Mountain West um, over the last few years, they're one and one this season. Uh, are the running the running rebels? Are they called running rebels for the football as well, or is that just basketball? Yeah, it doesn't matter. So hard to evaluate them um, because they beat an FCS opponent, Bryant, and then they lost at Michigan, who's ranked second in the country. Uh, on the road last week, they'll host Vanderbilt, an SEC team, but not a great one uh, this week. So I just, I just think it's kind of a hard team to evaluate um, after their first couple of weeks, just because their competition has been either someone they can totally outmatch or somebody that they've been totally outmatched by. So uh, we'll definitely break into that game a little bit more next week, Gavin and I, uh, UTEP and UNLV. But for me, that is already shaping up to be maybe the biggest game of the season. Um, And I don't like to put too much on September games because it is such a long year, but say you're one and three after the Arizona game, you can't be one and four uh, after a home game versus UNLV, who again has struggled in the mountain West UTEP is too good of a team to lose to UNLV in my opinion. So especially at home, I mean, that'll be, a big crowd. I think they've already said they've sold over 28,000 tickets for that game. Um, so that's just a game they have to win. So UNLV, then they host Louisiana Tech on a Friday night, a team that they beat the last time that the Bulldogs came to El Paso. Uh, and then October 11th, they're on the road at FIU. And that leads into another home game, three out of four uh, games uh, after that UNLV game are at home versus rival New Mexico State. So even if UTEP loses this Arizona game, um, there's some big games, some important games right after that, but also some incredibly winnable games um, for UTEP to kind of get back into the mix of things for the 
not only the Conference USA title race, but of course, you know, bowl eligibility. I'm standing strong on my selection of seven wins in a in a bowl game for the Miners this year. So um, that'll do it on the Mineshaft podcast for this week. As we said, I'm picking UTEP uh, to lose this week at Arizona 38-17. We'll see if I'm wrong. Um, I'm sure I'll hear about it from UTEP fans. No matter the outcome, I always love that, love the input. So thanks to everybody for listening. Gavin will be back with us uh, next week as well. Just had something come up last minute, made it so he wasn't able to be um, on the recording this week, but he will be back next week and uh, we'll be there to break down Arizona, get you ready for UNLV and uh, can't wait for it. Um, Thanks to everybody who's tuned into the podcast week after week. We appreciate you guys and uh, we'll see you next time. This has been the Mineshaft, a Republic of Football Network podcast brought to you by Dave Campbell's Texas Football. We'll see you next time.